You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. had already planned in advance mm-hmm. uh, over a month ago probably to talk about yeah. Star Trek tonight and unfortunately on Friday yeah Leonard Nimoy passed away mm-hmm. so i think maybe tonight we'll just talk about Leonard Nimoy mm-hmm. he lived a full life he oh, was yeah. he was a great man by any definition of the word uh, he had a lot of years on this planet. He saw a lot of miraculous things come out of humanity in his time, and and I don't uh, it I don't want to say it's a tragedy. Like that's not really the right word yeah. to use. It's sad uh, for all of us, but he he had a he had an amazing life, and and he made the most of that life. So this is definitely uh, this is definitely a tribute as as opposed yeah. to anything else. It's not like he was twenty five, right? Right, exactly. And or, or you know, I mean, he was what eighty three years old? Is that right? Which eighty something? Let's check real quick. Which is you know these days that is really kind of still young to go, but he had made so much out of those eighty three years. I feel like he really he really took advantage of of every opportunity he had. Uh, what what are your first memories of sort of discovering Leonard Nimoy? Oh man, like amongst some of my earliest memories in general, finding watching Star Trek as a toddler. You know, I've talked before. You know, my first fandom was Star Trek. I remember being five years old, watching the animated show and the reruns on TV, and playing with Star Trek color forms. Mm-hmm. You know, which God remembers color forms these days. Oh sure, <laughs> I, I actually have a Dukes of Hazard color form set <laughs> within reach right now. Um, um, but but yeah, so I mean, he's been with me my whole life, pretty much. I don't know. Th- I, all I have are early childhood impressions. I, I don't necessarily remember the first time I became aware of Leonard Nimoy. Uh, obviously, yeah. I, Star Trek is is one of my big passions, uh, and I do remember for years, and I'm talking until I was like nine or ten years old, maybe being convinced that he really was an alien, mm-hmm. because <laughs> his portrayal of Spock is one of the best character portrayals. In modern media, I mean, he's uh-huh. so convincing, and I think it's because a lot of of who he is went into Spock. I th- oh yeah, I think Leonard Nimoy had somewhat of a natural alienness to him, uh, and at the same time, that warmth that 
that you would see from Spock and, and not, you know, obviously not that emotional warmth, but watching the, certainly the movies, but the original series as well, you know, as logical and emotionless as, as, uh, Vulcans are purported to be, mm-hmm. Spock cared what was happening with his crewmates. He, he was invested in the journey and what was going on. Uh, and, and that was all from Nimoy. I mean, that, that was all him. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot of what drew me in because, you know, he was a white guy, but he was an alien. And when you're a kid, Mm-hmm. Those differences, it doesn't matter if it's skin color or big ears or antenna or whatever. Different is different. And as, you know, as we all know, Star Trek, if you start out with Star Trek, you're going to learn to, to sort of overlook those differences. Like that's one of the important things, important lessons of the show is. Mm-hmm is uh to to sort of overlook those superficial things and you know in him being a primary character it was an important lesson for me and and somebody that I cared about that was different early on I guess mm-hmm. well yeah the thing I saw, one of the things I saw that I agree with was he was uh the the perfect accessible outsider Yes, you know everybody can identify with him if you because you always feel like an outsider at some point in your life, even amongst your friends. And he was—that's exactly who Spock was. He was constantly the you know he was you know best friends with Scott, Spock, uh, McCoy, and Kirk, but he was still outside. Yeah, actually, I, a very interesting little story that I just recently read about Leonard Nimoy uh, as it pertains to Star Trek. I've been reading Lou Shamer's Filmation book. Uh, mm-hmm. Which is absolutely incredible. Uh, really, not just as a history of filmation, but as a history of pop culture. And mm-hmm. filmation is the company that did the animated Star Trek cartoon. Yep. And Lou Shamer told a story about how when they were casting, they knew they wanted Leonard Nimoy and William Shatner and DeForest Kelly. Because they were really the three main characters of Star Trek. Right. And Leonard Nimoy insisted that they bring everybody on. And Lou Shamer explains it because it sounds kind of mercenary when you, when you put it like that to say they only wanted the three main actors. But you have to consider that voiceover actors filmation back in 1973, if you, you had one voice actor, you were paying him a certain salary and he was doing 30 voices. Yeah. If you're yeah. talking about Fred Welker, He's not just doing oh, Fred and Scooby. He's doing monsters. He's doing background characters. They're getting a lot of work for their money. But in this case, yeah. adapting Star Trek, you had three actors that were going to be doing three voices, but you were paying them more than your other voice actors. So on it, it budgetary reasons, it just doesn't make good financial sense. It's not feasible to hire people to do just one voice. But Leonard Nimoy insisted that they bring on the rest of the crew, uh, which is why you hear Nichelle Nichols and, and, and everybody else, George Takei. Uh, and he fought to the bitter end to get Walter Koenig uh, as well, and it just didn't work. Uh, he, yeah. he was the one that kind of fell through the cracks, but Shamer told the story of Leonard Nimoy 
absolutely insisting that they bring on the rest of the crew. He was the reason that the others got the job on the show. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's really nice, yeah. and I think that's a typical Leonard Nimoy story of, of, uh, you know, wanting everybody to be included, wanting to be sure everybody's treated fairly, because mm-hmm. there are a couple of stories like that throughout his career. Oh yeah, I, I heard that is that same thing from uh, that story from uh, Takei saying that Nimoy fought to get them all on and got. Uh, I don't know if it was that they couldn't get Koenig or he didn't want to voice it, but they got him. He was able to write an episode. Yes, or two. yes, that's right. That's right. I totally overlooked that. They uh, they weren't able to get him into the voice acting budget, but they were able to get him on as a writer and he did write uh two possibly more than two episodes but that right there is fantastic when you look at the pedigrees of the guys that were writing because you had a lot of the same writers that did the original series writing for the animated show because it was Mm -hmm. exciting for them the fact that they were going to be able to write whatever they wanted because when it's animation you just draw it you can do anything with animation and there were limitations on the live action show you know as far as what they could budget for makeup and effects and whatever else so uh, most of the writers were quite excited that, that it was going to be animation yeah they had a hundred foot tall spock right, right exactly you really you couldn't have done that and make it work within the constraints of the live action show at the time right uh, now what what is your j- just to I guess we'll jump back and forth between Star Trek and Nimoy a little bit because I don't want to dive right into other Nimoy stuff and and marginalize Star Trek at all since that was our original intent tonight. Uh, yeah. What have we started? Oh yeah, we're we going, man. Just still oh, This okay, is cool. <laughs> this one is totally going to be you and me talking. I'm yeah. Th- cool. This is I I just want this to be you and me having fun talking. Yeah. Um. Okay, that's cool because I just got to hold a few things back because I wasn't sure. If we no, we're yet. we're good, man. <laughs> don't we're rolling, don't hold man. anything back. Let it all hang out because we're not on video and I don't Ooh. have to see it because I don't that's have right. pants on. I'll tell you that. <laughs> um, but uh, as far as Star Trek goes, what is your what's your trek of choice? Oh, my trek of choice has been and always shall be the original series. Um, you know, next gen is good if flawed. Um, Deep Space Nine, I think it's the closest to Trek outside of original Interesting. Trek. Okay. Um, I can't stand Voyager and for Enterprise, I like the last mm-hmm. season because they, they got different people in charge that actually like right. the show and I enjoy it. Uh, and the movies are just, you know, oh man, I, you know, those first six movies minus, you know, the motionless picture, which is still okay. And, you know, the final frontier feeding Shatner's ego or not the final frontier. Um, final frontier is the good one. Uh, no, undiscovered one. country is the sixth one. No, right, no man final frontier. Got, final is? frontier okay. is number five where they go to find God. Okay. Right, which has sort of redeemed a little bit of itself in some of the stories Shatner has told about the troubles he went through trying yes. to make it. But still, trying to watch it at the time was, oh my god. I'm just surprised that with Shatner uh, helming that one, that Shatner wasn't God. Yeah. <laughs> what does God need with a starship? He's already got um, one. <laughs> I, I, but yeah, I mean, I love that TOS era. Yeah. 
That was see that was my the first thing I ever saw was the original series, but mm-hmm. my trek are the original cast movies because mm-hmm. I remember seeing Wrath of Khan on in the theater. Uh, I saw uh-huh. the first, I saw two, three, and four with my mom. And all of the movies that I went to see with either one of my parents, a lot more with my mom than I did with my dad. But th- those are all, I mean, those are always going to be special memories. Cause I, I, uh, just, just the fact, you know, my parents aren't nerds. Like they, they liked Star Wars, they liked Star Trek, but they weren't, they weren't my gateway into nerddom. But they were, uh, certainly my mom was definitely a facilitator. Like anything that I was into, she was willing to, you know, take me to. We went and saw Transformers the movie, another Nimoy project, uh, that I don't want to mm-hmm. overlook because his performance as Galvatron is freaking incredible. Uh, yes. But she took me to see Transformers. Megatron, is that you? <laughs> Here's yeah. a hint. Yeah, he, I, he's, I he's fantastic. Moment. And the fact, you know, that was one of my first experiences with a real big name actor that I knew. Uh, cause Judd Nelson was, was voiced somebody and then Robert Culp and, you know, there were some, there were some names in that voice cast, but I knew Leonard Nimoy. Uh, yeah. and the fact that he was in that blew my little mind. I mean, that was a huge deal to me that Spock was voicing a Transformer. And, uh, yeah. so my mom took me to see that in the theater. It's, it's an animated kids movie about Transformers, which was a toy line that I dabbled in but didn't collect. But she, you know, she knew I wanted to see it, so she took me. And, uh, you know, bless her heart, she fell asleep about 10 minutes in. And I'm sure. Thank God, I've heard this yeah, story. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure she enjoyed her nap. Uh, and, and it was just before the critical, uh, shit from Spike. So I'm thankful for that. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, that was just incredible to hear Spock's voice coming out of a Decepticon was yeah. mind blowing. And not just any Decepticon. Yes. Badass. The badass. One. Uh, and I was so, de- and I, you know, being, what, nine, ten years old at the time, I didn't understand how things worked. I was so disappointed when it wasn't him on the show because, yeah. uh, unlike a lot of animated properties, when the show came back to the season after the movie, it actually mm-hmm. did the time jump and picked up after the events of Transformers the movie. And I was so disappointed that the voices were different because as a kid, I was very tuned in to voice acting, which is probably part of my fascination with it to this day. So I, you know, I was bummed out that like, I was like, that's not Ultra Magnus's voice. That's not Galvatron's voice. Why does Hot Rod sound different now? So it was, it was, uh, it was interesting. But yeah, seeing those Trek movies in the theater was just, it was, it was something very special to me. And to this day, every time, uh, I've moved, which has been many times. Well, I say to this day, the last time I moved was mm-hmm. 10 years ago and hopefully won't be again anytime soon. Uh, yes. every time I've moved, uh, as I've been unpacking and setting everything up in the new place, I watch, uh, Wrath of Khan through Undiscovered Country. Uh, I pop them in and I've had them 
on individual VHS. I had a VHS box set that was done that actually only had the first five because the box set came out before Undiscovered Country came out. So I had the first five in a box set and then Undiscovered Country. And then from there went to the DVD uh, individual DVDs, which Paramount did those fantastic DVDs that were two-disc sets. They did. My gosh, those are some of the finest DVDs I've seen. Uh, and I so much love that director's cut, yes. too. It only adds, what, ten minutes total, but it makes it's a great It, it is. Minutes. It makes a big difference in, in the, the characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, of course, moved on to the Blu-rays from there, which I, I think the Blu-rays are fairly definitive. But my gosh, man, those Blu-rays are exhausting. Uh, yeah. Which, what what are, uh, obviously the, the motion pictures are my thing. Now, I yeah. love... Yeah, you see, I never got to see two in the theater. I was, my stepfather wouldn't take me to movies okay. like, ever. So, but we had just gotten H. We had got HBO the year it hit. Uh, we we had just gotten cable. Period with HBO the year that Con oh, hit yeah, yeah. HBO. So it was like in heavy rotation that summer. So I saw it like thirty, forty times because every time it came on, and HBO back in the day would run stuff yeah. to death. We're showing it at two o'clock and six o'clock. Oh, and dude, 12 that's o'clock. why I saw uh, my earliest memories of watching. Uh, stuff on HBO. We had that old mm-hmm. wood grain cable box with the push yep. buttons on it. And yep. <laughs> the first movies I remember watching on HBO were Flash Gordon and Swamp Thing. Over and go. over again. And when Adrian Barbo's titties pop out, oh my gosh. Uh, when she's taking her bath ah. in the swamp, which is disgusting. Taking her yes. bath in the swamp is really one of the most disgusting phrases I can think of. But uh, it. But it's Adrian right. Barbo. It happened. Um, I have that on high definition Blu-ray now, thanks to the Shout Factory. Dude, Shout Factory. Woo. Um, I love those guys. But but, but it, yeah, as far as the different Star Trek franchises, yeah, I didn't get to see two in the theater, but three. I wheedled my stepfather into taking me to see it, and he wouldn't watch it with me. He just dropped okay. me off. And so I go in. I watch the movie and my little brain is blown when they destroy the Enterprise, yeah. right? I'm sitting there in the theater just distraught. Okay. And the movie ends and I'm standing there and I'm like, I can't believe I just saw that. And I walk over and somebody had left their ticket out unattended for the next show. <laughs> so I snag it and go in to watch the next showing. And I'm sitting there and I'm watching it again. Knowing full well my stepfather's supposed to be picking me up when the first yeah. showing's done. Halfway through the movie, I'm sitting there, and I see my stepfather, who, to this day, I can tell you stories about why I hate this man. So I got a little bit of glee out of this, but his, I see him walk around the theater looking for me, and I just scoot down in my seat to keep watching the movie. <laughs> <laughs> watch him leave the theater, and then I get the, when the movie's over, I call home, and they're like, where were you? What's going on? And I just lied my ass up. Well, I was too late for the first showing, so I watched the second one. Did you see your stepfather? No. Nice. <laughs> well, you're walking home. Okay. Well done, sir. <laughs> I remember... Only one of them I got to see in the theater until 6, 5 came out. <laughs> I remember watching Wrath of Khan and my mom grabbing my arm 
when they mm. put the creatures in their ears. Oh. Uh, yeah. and, and it, I wasn't particularly freaked out by it, but she was. And when I recognized that she was freaked out, I got freaked out because that's how <laughs> things work. You know, you, as a, as a kid, yeah. there are lots of things that adults might think would disturb you that you don't really care about or you don't recognize or that it doesn't process as a, as a particularly mm-hmm. disturbing thing. But then when you see an adult's reaction to it, it freaks you out. And that's what happened there. Yeah, because you, you take your cues Right, exactly. And uh, that's what happened there. She grabbed my arm. She was like, ew. And so as a result, I was freaked out by that scene for years. But I very specifically remember not thinking a whole lot of it. Like, it was gross, but it didn't it didn't bother me on that mm-hmm. primal level. But then once I saw how ah. disturbed she was, it, it got me. It's it's funny. But uh I my you know, I love the motion pictures and then mm-hmm. next generation for whatever reason, next generation mm-hmm. totally clicked with me. Uh-huh. I think uh-huh. That's probably a close second behind the original crew movies for my favorite. And then the other ones kind of from mix in from there, but, uh, we'll, we'll get into that in a yeah. future episode. Yeah. Uh, let, let's definitely stick to Nimoy for now. Um, yeah, I, I, it's amazing all the stuff he did. I mean, just out, not just counting oh, sure. trick. I mean, just the, I mean, he directed three men and a baby. Well, one of the biggest hits of the eighties. Uh, yeah, and I loved that movie uh, for years. And I, you know what? I haven't seen it in quite some time. Uh, I, I, I'm curious as to how it holds up. Uh, I know that I know yeah, the sequel. I, in a while I know the last time I because if there's a sequel to a movie, then I will watch both of them. I don't watch just one movie. If if I'm watching something, I'm going to watch them both as close to one another as I can. And I know the last time I sat down for it, the sequel didn't do much for me. I don't think he no, no, he didn't. Either, he didn't. So. Uh, but I'm curious to see if the first one holds up at all. Yeah, well, a lot of stuff from the 80s, unfortunately, doesn't hold up when because you watch it again. it's so mired in the 80s. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I'll, I'll tell you, more so even than Star Trek, I don't know that I could describe its impact on my life. Uh, I, I wouldn't mm-hmm. say it's definitely one of my top fandoms, but it's not, uh, G.I. Joe and Star Wars are, are definitely, you know, uh, f- further up mm-hmm. there. The big boys. But I'll tell you the thing that really had the biggest impact on my life, probably more so than G.I. Joe and Star Wars, was standby lights, camera, action. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a show, and, and, and I don't know if you remember this. A lot of people don't. And unfortunately, there's not much of an online presence. If you Google it, uh, there are not a lot of episodes available. As a matter of fact, I don't know that there are any full episodes available. Uh, and it's the Wikipedia entry is very sparse. There's no kind of site or anything. But Standby Lights, Camera, Action was a show on Nickelodeon hosted by Leonard Nimoy that... Oh. That was essentially behind the scenes looks at the biggest Hollywood movies of the time. Oh, I love those kind of shows. Uh, it lasted from 1982 to 1987. 
mm-hmm. which was you know very formative years for me. That's from six years old to eleven years old. Super formative mm-hmm. years, and it was something that I looked forward to. You you can't even go online and see how many episodes there were. Uh, but wow. I can tell you from memory that they had a show where they went behind the scenes of Octopussy. They went behind the scenes of Return of the Jedi. Oh, they man. did a special on Search for Spock, obviously, because Nimoy directed that one and mm-hmm. was the host of the show. Uh, right. But all of the big shows... Uh, or big movies of 82 to 87 that show covered and it was absolutely incredible he would do interviews with the directors he would show footage of stunts being filmed he would show special effects and how they were created he would show makeups uh they did a monty python show they did Oh, they did man. one on Fred Astaire. They did one on The Secret of Nim. They did one on The Dark Crystal. They did a rock and roll episode. Uh, he inter- he interviewed oh, George Lucas on the Return of the Jedi episode. And that show probably had a bigger impact on me than anything I can think of from those years because up until... Up until a few years ago when I became a father and a husband and, and got really, really busy, like as you get older and as responsibilities build, time yeah. just gets away. Uh, but I'll tell you right now, every single DVD that I own, I have watched mm-hmm. every special feature on every DVD. I eat that shit up, man. Yeah, me too. Yeah, me too. Uh, me too. I love that behind And stuff. that show. I think is where that came from because Leonard Nimoy was a fantastic host. Uh, you know, he hosted mm-hmm. several different things over the course of his career, but he had the warmth that I spoke of earlier. Yeah. He yeah. had such an enjoyment for teaching people things and for communicating with people. And as a kid, yeah. you know, if, if you think about it, a six or seven year old kid watching that show, is it reasonable to think they're going to be all that interested in the behind the scenes stuff for a movie? Uh, I don't know, but Nimoy yeah. presented it in such a way that it was interesting and fascinating, and and I just can't say enough good things about it. And it, it breaks my heart that it's not available in any way, and that more people don't remember it because to me. It was. It just had a massive impact and was such a milestone uh, of of my nerd development. Yeah, see, I never even heard of it, and I was addicted to Nickelodeon. I know in many that era, people you know. haven't. It, it's one of those weird things that, and and I'm sure everybody listening to this has that one weird niche thing that. <laughs> how does nobody else remember this? Uh, and this is mine. This is the one that, would, to me, was... I, I think it came on Saturday afternoons, and nothing oh, okay. would stop me from being in front of the television when this show aired. Uh, it was just amazing. And please, anybody listening to this, if you remember this show, give us some feedback. Uh, send a send an email to phantomtroublemaker at gmail.com. 
Uh, go to the Needless Things Facebook page. Send us a message. If you remember this show, I'd love to talk mm-hmm. about it some more. I'd love to track down. I mean, if if there's footage out there, if there are episodes out there somewhere, I can't find them. And yeah, in this really. day and age, it's crazy that something – I mean, Nickelodeon – is a huge deal and has been since its inception. Leonard Nimoy, obviously, mm-hmm. this is, I think this is the prime time to hunt this show down. Uh, with yeah. all of, you know, with everything surrounding Nimoy's passing, I think this is the time to try and get this thing more visible. So please, everybody, you know, get the word out, track it down, let us know. Uh, cause it, it was a huge deal to me and I think it's a shame that, that there's not more out there. But I think part of the reason that it isn't more visible is all of those movies and franchises that they covered have their own special features on their own DVDs. Mm-hmm. It's uh, funny, as enthusiastic as I am for Lights, Camera, Action, in mm-hmm. search of, I don't really remember as well. And that tends to be the biggest non-Star Trek project Nimoy's related to. Oh, it was the seventies. I think it may have been just a little bit before your time. And, and I think that it was. I, I, th- I think it was because you know Trek mm-hmm. obviously was in reruns for decades. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. Like, and in movies, search of dated very quickly. <laughs> right. Right. So I, I think that was something that maybe wasn't in reruns quite the same way that that other stuff that he did was. So I think it was just a little bit too early for me. Yeah, so I know I'm only like maybe about five years older than you are, but that's you have enough of a gap because I'm more of a late '70s, '80s kid. Right, right. Than I think you are. Yeah, I'm, I definitely. I was born in '76. Yeah, so, so see, yeah, so, yeah. So I've got like a few years reference just ahead of you. And it's funny because my wife is only three years older than me, but there <laughs> really is a big gap in our pop culture knowledge just oh. in that three years and the things that she was into and the things that, and I mean, there's tons of overlap, mm-hmm. but there are things that she's totally unaware of and, and vice versa. It, it's very yeah. interesting. And, and I yep. think it is how quickly pop culture moves, you know, even then. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And I stayed interested in kid pop culture a lot longer than I probably should have, which is oh, why sure. I think I've got so much more in common with others of younger generation because I didn't get out. I, I can tell you my I'm out moment exactly. Okay, the first episode of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. That's that's that was a, my I'm out. Yeah, that's about my same moment. Okay. It was right around that because Power Rangers is a, a franchise that I know a number of people my age, like not not you know my age bracket, but literally my age. That are way into Power Rangers, and I am not. It is not in my wheelhouse, uh, and I love like Ultraman and and a mm-hmm. lot of campy Japanese stuff that I've seen. But That's Power the whole Rangers, reason I went to watch it was I was a huge Ultraman Godzilla right, fan, and I was right. watching Batman and the X Men cartoon were on. Yeah, yeah, and and you watch Power Rangers. Mighty Morphin Power Rangers is starting next weekend. This weekend now, and I remember like ten minutes into it, I was like, I'm out. <laughs> I think what really killed it for me was the two idiot human guys, like the regular mm. guy, I, I can't remember their bulk and skull, maybe. I yeah, think that might something be right. like that. Um, they were essentially the Bebop and Rocksteady type mm-hmm. characters. Uh, 
I, I, I think they're the ones that totally killed it, but really it just, it didn't work for me. But it was uh, too goofy for me. And, yeah. and that was saying something. Well, and that's, it was goofy in a way that was different. It wasn't campy, it was goofy. And there, there, <clears> it's a thin line, but it's a very definitive line. Yeah, I, I'm with you there. Um, uh, but getting so, back on track with Nimoy, I mean, yeah, yeah. In Search of was great and big on me. I remember still watching Invasion for the Body Snatchers for the first time. Oh, dude, and, that's, that is up there with my, uh, I, I wouldn't say necessarily it scared me on the same level that like Hellraiser and E.T. did. Mm-hmm. And yes, I did just put Hellraiser and E.T. in the same sentence. <laughs> uh, but it it was one of the first disturbing movies that I saw. The the um, Just Donald Sutherland is one of those actors that just affects mm-hmm. me. And... Everybody else in that movie is just so disturbing, and and Nimoy, you know, his yeah, and character. Was a, yeah, for seeing him being a bad guy, right, blew my little mind. Yes, I couldn't take him being that sinister. Um, you know, nobody, nobody was outright evil. It was a race attempting mm-hmm. to establish dominance. But it was that sinister sort of conspiracy type, you know, and, and I didn't understand it at the age that I saw it. And I'm sure I saw it on HBO uh, going back to that. But just that's uh, such a, a terrifying movie for a kid that everything mm-hmm. could just go away. Yeah. And all oh, the 70s yourself. love their conspiracies. <laughs> yes. Yes, Absolutely. But yeah, that that oh man, that end scene when Sutherland turns around and does the yes, yes, horrifying. Yeah, I mean, I could still that's vividly in my brain. Anytime I need to pull it up, it's there. Right, right. Need to last a little bit longer. Let's bring up the image of Sutherland. Yeah, it's like oh, oh we're done. <laughs> um, I. I'm trying to figure out at what point, or not at what point, if there was a point where Nimoy kind of faded into my personal pop culture awareness, but I really don't know that he ever did. I don't know that, for me, I don't know that he had any downtime, because you had the Star Trek motion pictures... Going up until Undiscovered Country, which was, what, 96, I think? I think you're right, yeah. Uh, and then, you know, by the time 96 came around, I was well into VHS and, and whatever else. Probably DVD. I don't even know when DVDs... I guess DVDs weren't quite there yet. Maybe 99 was when I... Was when DVDs started really being a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Like, by that point, we were, as a society, able to purchase media, which meant that those people were always relevant because you could watch Star Trek anytime you wanted. Uh, It didn't matter how much any particular actor was working or appearing or whatever else. They were with you as much as you wanted them with you. Mm Mm-hmm. And and for me, I don't know that Leonard Nimoy, he never faded, but I can tell you that his huge returns for me 
were, and, and I don't want to jump ahead too much here, but, but these are things that, that for me were, were very exciting. Uh, and, and <laughs> take this first one as you will. Playing Sentinel Prime in Transformers, the third Transformers movie. Yes. Was, cause I, I hate the second one, but the other three Transformers movies, no, they're mm-hmm. not, they're not great movies. They're not great Transformers movies, but they're a lot of fun to watch. Uh, I personally enjoy those movies. Uh, they could be better. Sure. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. They should be better. They should be family friendly. But having Nimoy return to the Transformers franchise was massive. But even bigger than that was Fringe. Mm. William Bell. Because at that point, Nimoy had essentially retired. Yeah. Yeah, he said he was done. And he came in and, you know, not didn't just do the voice, but appeared on the show, and that was just mm-hmm. massively exciting for me. Yeah, I remember that. I mean, it was a huge deal, and I figured part of it was the fact that you know, it was on the show produced by J.J., and J.J. going, come on, man, come on, come on. Come sure, on, come on, sure. Come on. You know, after 20 or 30 days of, come on, come on, come on, <laughs> anybody will give in. But Right. It was I, so I, mind-blowing that he did, because he easily could have just said, kept going, nah, I'm done. Yeah, absolutely. And well, and I think it's probably a similar situation to to what went on with Sigourney Weaver and Neil Blomkamp. Yeah. <laughs> so you're it, it's either one. that or it's the 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 story I love Whoopi Goldberg said that when they asked her why she did Sister Act two, she said they came to my house with a dump truck full of money. Right. And and you know what? I don't have any problem with that. Uh, mm-hmm. I, you know if. I don't even care what your motivation is. If you just want to buy a, a, a winter house in New Orleans, mm-hmm. go for it. I don't care. Uh, David Cross, famously, you know, he has appeared in many, many shitty movies. Oh, yeah. Uh, and while I don't find myself to be politically aligned with him, I think he's a genius. I think mm-hmm. he's fucking hilarious. And if he wants to appear in... 10 Alvin and the Chipmunks movies because he wants to buy houses all over the world. That's fine. He's got yeah. the ability to do it. Good for him. I, I don't, uh. Well, yeah, it's like Michael Caine from doing Jaws the Revenge and they're, people asking, why'd you do that? He's like, I've heard, he's like, I, 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 I did the movie because they paid me. And while I heard, haven't seen the movie, I hear it's terrible, but the house it paid for is beautiful. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Uh, and the thing is, if your talent is such, like Michael Caine, like David Cross, uh, which, granted, lumping David Cross in with Michael Caine <laughs> is probably something that's never been done before. Uh, but, but I mean, stand-up comedy-wise, sketch comedy-wise, David Cross yeah. is in the, the pantheon of, of unparalleled talents. Uh, just I like Michael Caine is in that pantheon of unparalleled acting talents. Like... Yep. Uh, if, if you have a unique and intense enough talent, you can do whatever you want. It doesn't matter because you make shitty Jaws the Revenge, fine, but then you're going to come back around and choose a script that is good and solid and it's not going to matter. If you're right. a bright enough star, no amount of smirching is going to burn you out. Exactly. People will go, oh, I should see this. He said it and they're not going to blame you. And, and that's what Nimoy, and I think that, that's, comes into a little bit of Nimoy's fear 
early on of being so associated oh, with Spock, yeah. uh, you know, getting into the I am not Spock. Uh, you know, I think being younger and mm-hmm. being concerned about that kind of thing is what led to his backlash against the Spock character. Uh, and, and as you grow older, and you you know you know this, and I I certainly know this. As you grow older, things just don't seem to matter as much. Uh, yeah. And and I don't mean that in a nihilistic way. I mean that in a you are who you are. Mm-hmm. You do what you do, and if if you're happy, who really cares what that perception is? Yeah, it's the the ability to be able to let that shit go, right? And do your own thing, and just like you know, I don't. It's like well, so and so didn't like it. Well, fine. There are people who did, and I don't care. I still got paid. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it's it's your your sense of ego, I think, goes down. Yeah. Oh my god, this will destroy my ego forever. And also, well, to be in in fairness, up until I'd say the nineties. It was really easy to get typecast and drummed out of entertainment when we had three networks. Oh, sure. I mean, that's why so many, you know, people wouldn't do television if they were a movie actor because Absolutely. it was a downstep. Absolutely. And, you know, you were, you were done with movies if you went to TV. And nowadays, you go, people go back and forth and back and forth. It, well, and also with the internet and with telecommunication, what it is now, it's a lot easier for people to find and retain their audience. Yeah. Uh, I think nowadays, if, even if you do get typecast, I think it's a lot easier to deal with because you're going to have opportunities as whatever you're typecast as because there's so much more media out there, so many more outlets, so many more venues, mm-hmm. and you're so much more accessible to the particular people that like whatever that typecast may be. Yeah. So I, I think it's a whole different game now. I think if you're a character actor now and you find a character that sticks, I don't think that's as bad a thing as it once was. Yeah. Well, that and, and also doing genre entertainment doesn't have the stigma it used to either. Oh, uh, no, absolutely know. not. You know, you know, nerds rule the earth in the box office now, and and that's definitely. I'm I'm sure that was a huge portion of of the Spock issue was not just Spock, but the corner of entertainment that Spock was relegated to. Yeah, yeah, low grade kids stuff. Right, right, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, I think as far as impact. I don't know if that's even something that can be discussed because he worked for so many decades and while genre entertainment certainly was the bulk of Nimoy's stuff, he he had a lot outside of that. I never mm-hmm. I, I know of his reputation as a photographer. Oh um, he is got such a really good eye. I, I've seen uh some of the books and you know, while none of them are safe for work, he apparently has <laughs> I I don't know if it's that he just had a thing for big ladies. I've never seen what his wife looks like. Or if he just wanted to promote po- body positivity. Or if it was just, you know, whatever, scratched or whatever that itch was with him. Or if he just found them to be a particularly photo-worthy subject. I mean, maybe just yeah. maybe just the form and the way that the that 
they photographed. I mean, mm-hmm. there, there's no telling what was behind. Well, there probably is telling because he's probably talked about it and I'm just not aware of it because I never mm-hmm. particular, like I do tend to be a little, I do tend to have a little bit of tunnel vision with things that I'm interested in. Like uh-huh. I'll follow them to a point, but once it gets outside my area of interest, I kind of lose, you know, I, I kind of don't follow too much further. So I, I don't, like I said, I've got that kind of narrow tunnel vision and I'm not totally aware of everything that he did photography wise, but it's definitely something that he pursued. I, well, was it, it wasn't just a tail end. No, according to Wikipedia, he's been doing pic, taking pictures since he was 13. So. Oh my gosh. Wow. Then now of the same subject matter or did it develop over time? Develop I, over time? Do you see what I did there? Oh. oh. I probably not, but I know that's the big thing he was. Pardon the pun. Big thing he was doing at the end. Uh, <laughs> Boy, we're know, just on a roll, aren't we? Uh, and, and it's some beautiful, beautiful photography of people that, honestly, to them often are subject of ridicule and not. Hey, look at this beautiful picture of these. Not what would not, a lot of people wouldn't consider beautiful. Well, of of a and, of a person of a of a human being, yeah. of of one of us, yeah. And is there, and I think the biggest thing I like about those photos is the, the, that everybody in his pictures looks so happy. You know, they're, you know, yeah, they're naked, but they're having a good time. They're dancing. They're doing stuff. It's like, you know, this isn't just, you know, look at the cheesecake. You know, it's, you know, there's, it's legitimate art. Right, right. All he's saying is, I don't know what art is, but I know what I like. <laughs> well, and I think it goes back to that sort of inclusion, that feeling of, of wanting to mm-hmm. educate and include people that I always got from, from Nimoy. Yeah. So are there any, I, my, I, I'm going to be honest, my big thing was to talk some about lights, camera, action. Like that, that was as much as I love Star Trek, as much as Spock was really influential and really somebody that on, on, on many levels I identify with over the course of my whole life, that show to me, that's my Nimoy. Uh, what, what is your, do you, do you have any sort of final, like, what's your, your big experience, your big memory, uh, of Leonard Nimoy? Uh, the big thing for me is teaching myself how to do the eyebrow raise. <laughs> I remember being a kid, you know, like eight, nine, and standing in front of the mirror and practicing and practicing, and I can finally do it with my right eyebrow. I can hit, hitch it up while the other one stays down. But I mean, I'm literally taking, talking years of concentrated effort of learning to do that. <laughs> See, I, I can't do the eyebrow because I tried it not only, uh, because of Spock, but also mm. later, uh, because of The Rock. Yeah. Which I bet nobody ever thought there'd the be people's a rock, eyebrow. That, that nobody ever thought there'd be a Rock and Spock connection. But there it and is. Yeah. Uh, but what I was, and, and what I do remember training myself in the same way, uh, to be able to do the, uh, the Vulcan hand sign. Yes. Which it's totally escaping me now if it has a better name than that no, or not. The, the Vulcan salute is Why? Well, I, I feel like there should be a better name for it. But yeah, I, I, dude, I sat there holding my fingers apart for, mm-hmm. What, you know, as a kid, I'm sure was just minutes, but for what seemed like an eternity, just sat there with my hand between my fingers to make myself 
be able to do that. And now I can do it at will. But I, re- I mean, it took effort and practice to be able to well, do that. Quinto couldn't do it for the movie. They had to glue his other fingers together. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. That's funny. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I can do it. I can whip that sucker out. Oh, that was the other one to talk about. Did you see the Bruno Mars video he did? Uh, no. I, and I, I've got to say, I don't know that I could even name a Bruno Mars song if I had to. I I know two or three of his songs, but there was a video that it's the alternate version where you know the song is the lazy song about this guy saying I'm not doing anything today I'm just going to relax and do all this stuff. That and the video is wonderful. Yeah, and the video is following Nimoy around. From he gets up in the morning, he wanders around in his bathrobe, a t-shirt, and uh, pajama pants. Oh wow! It's hysterically funny. Uh, you know, he's just, you know, he doesn't care. He's got, you can tell he's having a ball. He goes like to the grocery store and rips open a pack of jello and eats it in the store. <laughs> my I'll favorite, that down. Oh yeah. My favorite moment is there's a fit point in the song where the guy sings, I'm gonna meet a really nice girl, has some really nice sex. And at that moment, Lee Moy's in the checkout line and puts down these two girl magazines on the counter to the lady behind the, uh, the lurk in the register. And she just has this look <laughs> like, oh my God. And he's got this, uh huh. Uh-huh. Oh, that's great. I'll have to find that. I, I yeah, I don't know that I'm I'm even I know the na- I know the name Bruno Mars, but that I think is as far as I go. There's probably a song or two that I'd be like, "Oh, that's them" if I heard it. Pretty much. He was well, the it flavor 3 or 4 years ago. Well, uh I I like but I it was said, funny just because, you know, watching him walk around and basically is I don't give a crap clothes. <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cuz you don't see that. Yeah. Uh, one one last thing that I want to bring up before we close it out here is how fortunate I feel to have seen William Shatner and Leonard Nimoy together at Dragon Con. Yes, I was there too. Uh, was that two thousand nine? Nine? Oh my gosh, that was almost six years ago. Then. Yeah, I I didn't get at the front. I was about halfway back, but oh, still. I I was I got there at I think I was there an hour before the doors opened mm. and this was 2009 so I was still only in the past couple of years had I really started to discover what Dragon Con was all about mm. so in 2009 I still wasn't really experienced in looking at the schedule and planning ahead and and all of the things that I just do naturally now without thought. Yeah. So I thought I'm going to get there an hour early and it'll be fine. Uh, and I got there an hour early and I got in the big giant line. Uh, I don't remember how I knew what ballroom to go to or whatever, but I, I got there, went in, sat down, and it turned out I was in the overflow room with the video feed. Oh man. I wasn't even in the room with Shatner and Nimoy and I was halfway back in that ballroom and these these are the big Marriott mm-hmm. ballrooms. Yeah. Uh but I did get to see it live and it was unbelievable. Uh the way that those two interacted was pure vaudeville. Mm-hmm. Pure like Abbott and Costello joke after joke after joke just but not in a scripted way yeah a, these were just two old friends having a good time together. yes two people who've been working together 
for almost 50 years at that point and who just knew each other and knew their responses and Shatner's bitterness over <laughs> Nimoy's, <laughs> Nimoy's appearance in the Star Trek reboot yes! was oh. hilarious. Nimoy's smug response to it uh, this is available on YouTube. I'll have a link to it in the show notes. You can watch the entire panel. Uh, it was beautiful. And I, I still am kicking myself for not going and, and meeting them that year. Me too. I just couldn't afford it. It was like... It was terribly expensive. It was well, like 200 and some bucks. Uh, I, I say expensive, but you can't really put a price on certain things like that. But it was it was outside of my budget, and it was outside of... I mean, just the lines were were massive. Yeah. Uh, yeah, same here. I really wanted to do it, but I just could I didn't have the money. But and just, I knew it. It's like, oh, this is a rare. This is rare. I should do this, but I just can't. Yeah, and then things like that happen. But being able to see that panel and to see those two just shining beacons of life and talent was just amazing. Mm-hmm. And that's how I'll always remember Leonard Nimoy because – you know, a lot of times when you have somebody that you love so dearly, you don't want to see them when they're mm-hmm. older. Uh, I saw Run DMC when I was 11 years old. I saw him play live. I had the opportunity a few years ago to go see him, and I didn't because I wanted to remember 1987 Run DMC. I didn't yeah. want to remember Angry Bitter 2005 Run DMC or whatever year it was. It's that old Dennis Leary bit of, how do you remember Elvis? How do you want to remember right. Elvis? And that Leonard Nimoy was vibrant and compelling to the very end. And I think that's amazing and, and admirable. And we should all look to pursue life in the way yeah. that he did. Uh, any any final thoughts? Yeah, well, it says something that for when they did the reboot, who did they keep? Who did they pick to be the, the keystone Spock. Yeah. And Nimoy. They easily, easily could have gone Shatner, but making the focus not, oh, it's Captain Kirk again, making it Spock. Oh, brilliant. And it worked. I love him in the role. I love him as getting to see him young and as, as, you know, the real Spock, the older mentor at the same time. And again, I mean, you could tell he lived in the character at that point because it was just so, I, 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 it's like you can watch him and you know he's acting, but you can see there's, there's just, it's not that he's focusing or anything. It's just like he's, he is the character. He's just inhabiting it. it. Well, it's just like watching Tom Baker as the doctor. Yeah. He's just that character. That's, it's him. It's such a part of him that it's, the, the two are inseparable. Yeah. Well, Gary, thank you so much for coming on. It's been delightful talking, uh, reminiscing yeah. about Leonard Nimoy's career. Uh, and I would like to, if you're up for it next month, get together and do the Star Trek episode we'd originally planned to do. I would love to do that. Awesome. That would be great. I could talk Star Trek till the cows come home. Before we go, plug your own stuff. Where can we find you? Where can we listen to you? Uh, you can listen to me on the Revcast and the Rev News on RevolutionSF.com or Revolution, at RevolutionSF on the Twitter. I am at Gary underscore Mitchell. That's Mitchell with one L on the Twitter. And Star Trek fans, yes, it is my real name. And you can find me on the American Sci-Fi Classics track as uh, Joe's right-hand guy. 
uh, on the Facebook and at DragonCon. Please come to the convention. I'm yeah. looking forward to working with you again at the con this year. Absolutely. We're going to have some awesome stuff. Well, Gary, oh, yes. there is nobody I would have preferred doing this episode with. Thank you so much for coming on, and uh, we'll do it again next month. Woo! This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network, your station for all things geek, classic, current, and beyond. Be part of the crew at esonetwork.com.